Welcome to the 15-Minute Chronic Pain Experience Podcast. I am your host, Dina Chopolis, the Chief Curator and Pain Coach at Pain to Possibilities, where we have been transforming pain experiences since 2018. Today, we will be talking with a good friend I met on Facebook. It's Mr. Trevor Barker. Trevor writes and talks about his experience growing up in Australia and his living with persistent pain for over 20 years. Trevor has worked alongside Professor Lorimer Morsley and Associate Professor David Butler with a unique charity called Pain Revolution. Speaking across Australia as he shares his story of what it was like living in pain, how his reliance on medical treatments increased his pain, and what he discovered that helped him manage and live well with persisting pain. Four years post undertaking an outstanding pain management program, Trevor now works as a pain coach and educator. Fresh from speaking at the San Diego Pain Summit on his favorite subject, Dim Sim Therapy. Today, we are diving into the second of three episodes of our conversation with Trevor. In this episode, we will be exploring the changes, both physical and emotional, that took place during Trevor's persistent pain transformation. Welcome back, Trevor, and thank you so much for being here. Did you ever think your pain journey would be a part of a mini-series? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and, you know, this is, um, I, I thought I was going to be in pain forever. Um, right. You know, you, you've got this label, chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my thinking, just go back to the start of going to, into this program. I had two syndromes that were uniquely mine that really wrap up what what I was thinking and the first one was TRMS and that stands for therapy resistant muscle syndrome because this this bloke had a unique condition that every time uh, I was massaged or worked on uh, I'd loosen up a little bit and then twang a few hours later I was back to that pre-massage state and I just, you know, nothing was going to change. I was going to be really tense and tight, you know, just no flexibility whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, and the second syndrome, so I thought if it's good enough for a surgeon to, to wake up and, and, and make up and invent a syndrome called failed low back surgery syndrome, then, I, you know, I can come up with a couple of my own. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've got a bit of a black sense of humour. And, and so <laughs> my... My second syndrome is PMS, and I just love standing up in front of 500 people and saying this and, and then watching people's eyes go, ooh, what's he on? What's this bloke it. on? Yeah. Um, and so PMS stands for poor me syndrome, mm. and that really captures my thought processes. Everything was a problem. Right. And poor, poor me. I was locked into that state when I went into the program. Well, it's a three-week live-in program, and it's not just learning about pain. It's about doing it. So you get up, you have breakfast, you're in a group situation, and then you come to the program, and the first thing you do is you get go outside and you stretch. And as we're stretching, the guy, the physio that's doing the, the stretching session is starting to tell jokes 
and uh, they're pretty, he's pretty good at telling jokes and getting people laughing. Um, and it immediately is contrasting with where, where you start the program. Mm-hmm. And then after doing your stretch, you go for a walk. Well, poor, poor me in my PMS state, I could only walk 200 metres and I was in searing pain. My calves were locked up and I was at the back of the group and, and I'm struggling with this and complaining the whole way. And what are you doing to me, you know? And then we come back and we, we have a, an education session. Every day you go to the pool, to the swimming pool, to a warm water pool, and do movement in, in the pool. Mm-hmm. And as we start to learn about what is the purpose of pain, you know, we all, we all feel pain at, from time to time, we, we start to understand that if you don't have pain, you don't live very long. Right. And there, there, are, there's some, there are some unique people who don't feel pain, but they don't live past their teen years usually. Right. Yeah. Um, because if something happens, you know, I've got a friend that's in a wheelchair and he doesn't have a knee feeling below his hips. And if he was to cut his toe, he would bleed out. He just wouldn't notice. So pain is a danger alerting system. The really interesting thing is that if it was a biomedical thing only, then a certain injury would generate a certain amount of pain. Right. And when you start to think about the differences for some people, I can step on a little tiny pebble in my, on my left foot and whack, I feel this. All of a sudden, my knee collapses, my leg goes like jelly, it takes wow. all the weight off my, my left foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason for that is context. I, you know, I'm diabetic and I stepped on some glass one day and didn't feel it and, did, and ignored it and I got quite unwell. And now my body tells me every time I step on anything, right. you're not going to, you are not going to ignore me this time. That's right. I'm in charge. Buddy. <laughs> I'm in charge. Yeah. Yeah. So whereas if anybody else in the world steps on a little pebble on their left foot, it, it's just nothing. They don't even notice it. Those sorts of conversations when we start to look at what is the purpose of pain is really a very key point. It's danger alerting system. And that it's good. It's actually good for us. And in in a normal course of events, we go through life. Something we cut our finger, we notice it. We get to put a band aid on it. It's fixed. It heals. End of story. When we get into persisting or chronic pain, we're getting into a system that's highly sensitive. Right. And this is the stuff I'm learning in the program. Yeah. That so- it's so sensitive. It's a bit like having an outdoor sensor light, and that outdoor sensor light goes off every time. A blade of grass waves and wafts mm-hmm. into the wind. Right. Yeah. Or a mosquito flies past. Right. So, what we want the outdoor sensor light is to turn on when somebody's walking in our backyard to tell us that somebody's there. Right. Um, but we don't want to know every time a mosquito flies past. So we we have to reset that sensor mm-hmm. or change it, get a new one. But it's possible to turn the knob and reset its sensitivity. And it starts working properly. So here, here I am in the program learning this stuff, but also doing it. So there's a lot of moving. There's a lot of creating a sense of safety Yes. that we, we know what we're doing. We're going to walk through this each day, slowly increase your, your activity. Yes. And part of that is a hyper alert system 
needs to be reset. And it's quite typical for someone in pain who's not sleeping real well is to occasionally have a really good night's sleep and wake up feeling like, whoa, I'm going to break land speed records today. I'm, yeah. I'm feeling fantastic. Uh, I haven't mowed the lawns for three months, so I'm going to get out and mow all the lawns and, right. and do some weeding and whatever else. And whack, we get hit with a, a significant flare-up and we're in bed for the next two or three weeks. And so you have this boom and bust cycle of having a, a good day, getting out and doing stuff and then paying for it. And what the pain program did was teach us about these characteristics of pain and bring in elements that are beyond a biomedical view, which is biomedical is all about our issues with tissues. Mm -hmm. That's part of the picture. The other part of the picture is our psychological and social functioning, what we think, what we believe. And it, I was very good at catastrophizing. I mean, I had PMS you know, running right through my body and everything was a problem and, and just ramping up catastrophe after catastrophe. Right. And how that started to change my thinking was being in a supported environment, seeing other people in a situation, dealing with different types of pain, but also having these thought processes and having time with a psychologist and starting to unpack what my particular trauma was about, what my context was about, yes. taking care of that and starting to see possibility and, and have some hope and injecting right. hope into the situation because in my PMS state, there was no hope. In fact, I was at the same time planning to go into a retirement village with a nursing home attached and that was my plan B. I, plan A had failed, clearly, the medical route had failed me and I could only see myself coping with life by being in a retirement village in a single bedroom unit, watching telly and having people do my gardening and for me and bringing meals to me and then eventually I'd be in a nursing home. Um, yeah. And so when you ask the question, what changed in your thinking, when I think about that, I think that what changed is just seeing a possibility that maybe the medical stuff wasn't the whole picture and maybe it wasn't the answer either. It got me into this place. So I had to get out of it by reversing ever going in reverse and that meant ditching a lot of stuff oh, yes. and doing things differently. Mm -hmm. um, so my thoughts were starting to, to think about possibilities and maybe moving is good for me. Maybe seeing gently doing this and starting to retrain my hypersensitive self mm -hmm. was the way out of this. So I started to give all of these um, techniques a, a bit of a go. Now, when and you, by the end... Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to interject here, but you, when you went into it, I know last time you suggested that there was that hesitancy and you weren't too sure about it. Sorry, yeah, keep expanding upon that. And then I'm going to ask you maybe towards the end, maybe some of the slight nuances or changes you started to notice when you were giving into the process? Yeah, so obviously that being sceptical uh, was part of my PMS state where I couldn't see possibility. And, and my thought processes were open enough to say, well, what you've done so far is put you in this place. Maybe there is a different way. 
And it's worth giving that a go because clearly I can't keep doing the medical stuff much longer. It has a bad end point and, and the bad end point is being in a nursing home um, at 50 years of age. So I gave it a, a go. And I think hope is a really important aspect. If, if people have a glimpse that things can be a different and they give that a go, even if they don't believe in it in one sense, but the fact that we're starting to change and, and approach life differently Mm-hmm. And start listening to people that have been through it and start looking after ourselves, calming down our stress. I started to see change straight away. And sure, I was in a supported group. I had people around me that knew this stuff and were leading it, and experts in Australia, and they knew what they were doing. And they had patience with all the pushback I gave them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was that was interesting just observing that interaction between them and me, myself, standing back and going, this is, you know, they're not going to drop the ball. They're, they're hanging in. And so I just kept at it. And by the end of the three weeks, I'd reduced my opioid medication down to, to nothing with the medical su- supervision they provided. And I was moving more. I could see possibility for change because my pain had also started to come down. Oh, perfect. Uh, and, and that was giving me a bit of, bit of hope to keep this going. But the other thing is that people with persisting pain, look at myself, life is chaotic. It's complicated. You know, we're in this place for a reason. There's lots of stuff going on. Uh, we're giving it our very best go. But reversing that and getting out of that road that's keeping us in more and more pain is also about becoming a little bit more organised, a little bit more planned, a little bit more patient with ourselves and, and just that those little small changes. You know, I'm sitting here in, in, in my yarning room with you this morning and just over to my right is the post office. It's about 200 metres away. And I came back from the program able to walk to the post office and back and I did it every day, and I've been doing it every day for the last four years, just to go for a bit of a stretch, enjoy the walk through the park that's on the way, and have a chat to some one or two people when I connect with people, not be alone, and enjoy the walk. But prior to going into the program, it was a 45-minute journey there and 45 minutes back. And too, right? When you find when you're just so uh, bogged down with the pain and the fog, like you were experiencing, it's hard to be motivated enough to make that change. So the fact that you were able to do that is most impressive. Yeah, and and to see that it made a difference. And, and so yeah. you know, after after going to the program, I ended up going over to Perth, which is the other side of Australia, where my daughter lives with her two kids and husband, and uh, spent three weeks over there and was walking about 10 kilometres a day. We did a beautiful loop around Swan River and up past the zoo and back to their place and enjoyed the walk, stopped and had a gelati halfway. And I could not have imagined being able to, able to do that whilst I was in the program. So, you know, the other key aspect to pain, we've talked about context and our thought processes is understanding that we are bioplastic nothing is set in concrete 
mm-hmm. we can retrain our pain systems mm-hmm. by introducing change. And that's what I learned in the, in the program. We, they didn't just talk about it. When they talked about mindfulness, they showed us what it was and then we did an hour of just sitting, being mindful, going through different ways of meditating and doing it. It's so funny because I was talking to someone the other day and about uh, crossing the midline above shoulder height and they said to me, I did it once but nothing changed. Mm. And I had to just go back and say that when we cross the midline above shoulder height, when we lift our left hand up and put it across to the right side and wiggle our hand a little bit and do the opposite, what we're doing is we're retraining the brain, we're settling it, calming it, and we're stopping it being able to trigger a flare-up event. So that's a very simple thing we we learned at the program, but we weren't told about what it was and the physio that told the bad jokes would get us to walk <laughs> sideways across the pool right. every day. And as we were walking across the pool, we were doing up and down with our arms, one side and the other side, and I'm going, oh. And he didn't explain, but Dave Butler, who, who I'm very close friends with, he explained to me what, what that was about and how they discovered that research, that people with persisting pain, A, don't cross midline above shoulder height very often, and that when we have a flare-up, the whole brain's involved. It's flashing like a Christmas tree. And this crossing the midline above shoulder height sabotages the brain's ability to recruit itself and go off like that Christmas tree. It's so funny because Dave was, uh, was at our place and we were talking about the fact that we're doing a, aerobic therapy and, and we're in the water and I'm crossing my legs under the water and my arms under the water. And he said, Trevor, Trevor, no, 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 it has to be above shoulder. There's science, <laughs> there's method to oh. madness, right? <laughs> now, I can't do this in secret. I've got to show everybody in the world that I'm doing it. <laughs> you know what? I, um, I hate to say that our time is winding down here, but you have, I'm going to just summarize some of the really important nuggets that you capitalized on because you are such a wealth of knowledge. I loved, I think there's a five or six that I can remember. The first thing was, I loved how you mentioned it, give it a go this new treatment that you felt was kind of on, you weren't sure, unsure of, you were going to give it a go just like you did when your doctor said, Hey, take this medication or let's get you in for this procedure. And I think that's a really important mindset shift is to say, I'm a little hesitant, but I'm going to give it a go. And I think that's an important statement. You also suggested, of course, you're going to give yourself the patience and the kindness to be able to be a open to these procedures and to give it a go. I know, of course, when you were suggested about getting out and connecting with people, just so important. And yes, can be difficult to do when you are in pain, but at the same time, it's one of those easy steps you can take to move that needle forward. And then finally, you said, actually, two last things uh, was the bioplasticity and just how when you introduce change to the body, you can really reframe things and really help your body to, um, to change in a very positive, healthy way. And then finally, the arms crossed up and over the head, cross your middle line. That is a fantastic quick little tip that you can use if you, to sort of bring down a pain flare. So we're going to end off with that. We still have one more episode to go in our podcast series. I want to thank you very much for your insights today, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you.